This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. The 2022 ODT Dunedin Arts Festival is taking over the city from the 12th to the 24th of October with an unmissable programme of the very finest in creative talent from New Zealand and abroad. This year's lineup will wow first timers and festival aficionados alike with an incredible range of music, cabaret, theatre, circus, dance, comedy, visual arts, and more. Secure your tickets today from the DunedinArtsFestival.co.nz and the Regent Theatre Box Office. The 2022 ODT Dunedin Arts Festival, October 12th to the 24th. Well, time to turn now to one of the highlights of the theatre programme at Dunedin Arts Festival. In Back to Square One, you're invited into 95-year-old Inga's living room in Denmark as she reaches out through space and time to her grandson in Aotearoa, New Zealand. It's theatre, but the theatre space is perhaps not quite what you're accustomed to. The production's creator and presenter is Anders Falsti Jensen, who joins me on the line now. Uh, Kia ora, good to have you with us, Anders. Kia ora, nice to be there. So, Denmark, your own roots are there? Yes, that's right. I um, I grew up in Denmark, and um, I came to New Zealand in 2001, I think it was, when I was in my mid-twenties. So, aside from that, what's the reason for placing Inga there in this play? Well, the, the play um, came about... Um, after it, it was kind of made for the aftermath of that first lockdown in 2020 when all theaters were closed and um, we couldn't tour anywhere so <clears throat> i decided to make a uh, a play for my neighbors that i could perform in my driveway so part of the show was um is based on interviews with them but kind of the the anchor for the for the play is conversations i had with my grandmother uh, inga who was 95 at the time, who had been spending months by herself in her apartment. So it's, um, the way that the play kind of works is that I I chalk up my grandmother's living room to scale. Um, so it almost like looks like a, a crime scene, you know. <laughs> and then um, and then I tell a story that's kind of in that setting, and then it develops as the play goes on. And is that representation in chalk accurate in terms of scale and the items that we would find in that living room? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes if, if I have performed in spaces that are not, like, are not quite big enough, I can, I can shrink her living room a little bit, but normally I do it to scale, yeah. And then I draw up all the furniture and stuff like that. So did you have to spend time in that living room or from memory or did you consult with Inga about this? Well, I spent uh, over 20 years in, um, over the course of 20 years, I spent a lot of time in that living room. And every time I went back to Denmark, um, I saw her. So I'm, I know that room at the back of my pocket. Is that how you say it? <laughs> back of your hand. Back of my hand, yes. Um, so it wasn't just done for convenience, um, it was done through necessity more than anything else in terms of being able to uh, produce a piece of work uh, at that time. Um, an interesting concept in itself, have you ever done something similar to that before or, or seen other productions that um, have used um, illustration on the ground in that kind of way? Um, I guess the 
down to two first questions. I've never done uh, what started out as an outdoor play before. Um, that was the, the first time I did anything like that. Um, and I had <clears throat> I had seen one um, other play in New Zealand that used a lot of chalk, which was actually also set in Dunedin, which was called, I think it was my best dead friend by uh, Anya Tate Manning. Um, where she kind of, she drew on the walls. She drew up like the whole of the Dunedin cityscape. Um, I just used the floor. But um, but yeah, but that's kind of um, so yeah, so yeah. No, I hadn't really done anything like that before. But it was just it came out of as you say out of necessity because chalk was kind of like the basic thing I had easy access to because my uh, daughter was doing a lot of drawings during the lockdowns uh, out on the road. So I thought it's a really interesting. It can be really beautiful, but it's also really easy to do that you basically just draw a big square and then all of a sudden you have a stage is inga still with us no she passed away last year she was aware though of the development of this production yeah 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 yes she um the the, the first showing was actually in the very first showing was actually in the meeting um in 2020 in my colleague uh, simon o'connor's uh, backyard but she um, she saw a recording of the version that happened up here in Auckland, and I translated the script as well so she could have a read. And we talked a lot about it, so she kind of she knew it was coming. But she she found it very uh, amusing that I wanted to make a play about her. We're obviously going to get to learn about Inga through the play, and you won't want to say everything about that now, but. Paint as much of a picture of this woman as you can for us in terms of her character and in terms of her special nature. Well, I guess what I um, she was she was an in, like an incredibly um, strong uh, woman, but also like immensely open-hearted and and curious um, about life and. Um, and other people, uh, but what uh, one thing that we kind of, I guess, really kind of delve into in the play is is just what she has gone through in her lifetime. So, you know, she was born in 1925. So, over the span of her life, you know, there's been world wars and cold wars and lunar landings and mobile phones and, uh, you know, most recently a massive pandemic. You know, uh, which <clears throat> and it was just. Kind of, I was curious to see to talk about how, like, big events they sit in the in her kind of landscape and her looking back um, and forward, you know, on on the time that we we are living in. And so I thought that was kind of really interesting. And also, <clears throat> we talked about how you know when when you like, how will we look back on on the twenty twenty lockdowns in thirty years time? You know. Um, Will it will it just be this footnote, or will it be this really significant point in time where things changed? And we just because we're in the middle of it now, we don't. It's hard to, to gauge where you whether this, how this will be seen and how it pan out. You know, how do you think she thought of this period of pandemic relative to the the scale and size of of those things that you mentioned she'd lived through? Well, I guess like on a on a person, on a very personal level, she found it. Um, she found it. She found it um, unnerving in those big lockdowns, where because she was isolated uh, in her apartment alone. So 
she spent um, you know months by herself, and, and she she really struggled with the with the loss of her sense of time because she was a, an incredibly kind of active uh, woman. Like she would you know play cards with her part, card friends and go for walk with the walking groups, and like she had all these kind of weekly activities. And when they disappeared, she also she completely lost her her sense of time. Uh, which he found incredibly unnerving, um, but also, um, and maybe it's something to do with that generation that um, she also felt like you know that in in life there are incredibly um, difficult uh, periods, but eventually they will pass and something else will come out on the other side. It's and then the question is, you know, what that is, of course. Uh, Anders, it it, it probably won't be lost on you the current conversation about a recently departed 90-something-year-old woman who who has been through a lot in her life. Um, The passing of Queen Elizabeth uh, has fascinated the world and and paused uh, and pushed a pause button in terms of reflection and so forth. Is you know is that partly? what this is an opportunity to do is to is to is for the rest of us to try and understand the world through the lens of ninety something years. I guess partly, yeah. I mean, the, the other the other kind of big thing that sits at the at the at the centre of the play is um, is is the is the Norse uh, myth of Ragnarok of the end of times. Um, which is which is you know a really significant element of, of, of Viking mythology, where the world ends in this kind of traumatic way, but then it's reborn afterwards. But afterwards, once the world is reborn um, and everything seems to be back to normal, there's this big dragon that's lurking, and no one fully understands what that means. So, in the play, there's there's partly there's Inga's story, but there's also this this rip of a yarn of the end of world and the rebirth and what I found really interesting um, when I've been doing the show over the last year and a half um, and especially this year actually that people they really want to reflect on what has actually just happened <laughs> because it's, um, it feels like those um, lockdowns were ages away but you know it was only in 2020 and when you look back on it like it was really crazy stuff that happened and a lot of people they haven't actually fully um i think gested or interpreted that and i think the play gives people a chance to kind of reflect on both some of the moments that were really difficult but also some of the positive things that came out of the lockdowns so tell us about the mechanics of how you do that um are you leading an audience through her memories, through recalled conversation. How does it work? Um, it's it's kind of a it's a mix where um, essentially I um, I guess you can say I play two characters. So I play um, I play Inga, um, and then I also play um, a narrator. So it kind of shifts between these two worlds, and one is kind of um, you know Inga expressing in real time what she's going through or reflecting on on some of her experiences and then <clears throat> the narrator kind of steps back and talks about some of the some of the big some of the bigger picture things that fits around um, Inga's world and then it kind of 
almost kind of zooms in and out between these kind of incredibly the global outlook and this incredibly local um, space of you know someone either in a small apartment um, trying to come to grips with what's happening in the big world and vice versa. At 95 years, you're pretty much given free reign to say what you will about anything. That must have been quite liberating, kind of writing for that voice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think um, it was more, it was, hmm, I actually don't quite know how to answer that because it was, um, a lot of it is kind of based on um, on conversations that we had over that time, so there was, there was actually a lot that I didn't kind of have to write. It was more just kind of uh, transcribed some of the stuff that we talked about, and then, and then of course there are kind of big leaps of imagination where I can, um, where I can kind of, where I can go for it. But, um, but also like some of the things that we talked about that are in the play also actually stems back to, um, you know, when I was a kid and growing up, and some of the just those kind of experiences you have with with the grandparents um, and the role that the grandparents kind of play in your life, you know, or can play in your life. Since um, originally writing this and, and following Inga's passing, have you reviewed it in any way? Have you changed it up in any way, or is it still true to how it was when you first wrote it? Uh, it's pretty true. Like, there's kind of, um, as, the, um, as the kind of, pandemic has has proceeded there's been some of the some aspects of the play has been updated and tweaked just to kind of reflect what's going on because it's it's very much kind of referring to a very specific moment in time and when that when things changed the play kind of has to change with it um but yeah like i still um i still change bits and bobs like i performed it in in nelson a couple of months ago and someone I really enjoyed it. I just wish there had been a tiny bit more about, you know, Ragnarok. I really liked those stories. I was like, okay, I'll expand on that. So I did a bit more research and then I wrote a new scene and tested that out and that worked really well. So now the play has kind of become a bit longer. Tell us about the the audience experience here, presumably with this opportunity to to work in the kind of spaces that that it was written for, driveways, um, parks, cul-de-sacs, whatever it might be, but also now... In indoor settings, does the audience, you know, is it an, an in the round kind of experience? Are the are the audience involved in any kind of way directly themselves? Um, yeah, there's kind of, I mean, it can be performed in all sorts of ways. But I've, um, you know, as you mentioned, I've performed it in in a driveway and in, in a cul-de-sac and in theatres and in school kind of courtyards and stuff like that. It doesn't, the setting doesn't really matter. That. I can just adapt it to whatever seating is there. Um, but audiences, they um, they are kind of there's a little bit of kind of involvement from them that they um, they have to do a little bit of work with some chalk and, um, and do a little bit of um, drawing, and we play a game where people they can win an exciting prize and stuff like that. Um, so there's kind of it, it is um, it is very much a um, it, it feels very kind of chatty and like a, a, a conversation almost um, yeah so it's not it, it, I don't think it feels just like a play where you just sit in the darkness and then you watch it and then you go home afterwards um, it's um, 
yeah, I think it's a bit it's a bit more than that, but it's not like in full on kind of audience interaction either. Well, there is coffee and cake involved, Anders. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, and that's the most stressful part of the show because <laughs> I do all this baking, and it's I and it's really like I I make this this Danish cake and. Well, I make many Danish cakes because of the, depending on the size of the audience, I have to do quite a bit of baking, and and it just um, yeah, it just takes up a surprising amount of time to bake for you know a lot of people. <laughs> so, um, but yes, there's, each uh, performance ends with coffee and cake and tea and Milo, and uh, maybe even some salty licorice if I can sort it just in time. What a treat! Just finally, Anders, um, what's your hope? Uh, in terms of a takeaway for audiences, what do you hope that they're thinking about talking about as they leave? The main thing is, um, I think it's actually just uh, is taking um, just that chance actually of, of just taking a moment just to reflect on on the last couple of years of going actually what just happened and what what I mean obviously it's been a really difficult time and also um, you know, traumatic for some people, but also I think some good things that came out of it. And I think it's, um, it's I think there's a real opportunity to go, what do we, do we really want to go back? Like, what is this new normal that people like, keep talking about? Is the new normal just essentially, essentially how we lived in 2019, only with Zoom meetings? Or what is the, <laughs> can we, can we actually change um, the way we live um, in a meaningful way, and it's perhaps more about local community and the way we interact with neighbours and um, the kind of the people around us. And stuff like that. Yeah, I've been speaking with Anders Falsti Jensen. Brings back to square one to the Dunedin Arts Festival performances on the 18th and 19th of October at Te Fare Oru Kutia. Uh, Anders, thanks so much for taking some time to join us here on ORFM. No problem, my pleasure. The 2022 ODT Dunedin Arts Festival is taking over the city from the 12th to the 24th of October with an unmissable programme of the very finest in creative talent from New Zealand and abroad. This year's lineup will wow first-timers and festival aficionados alike with an incredible range of music, cabaret, theatre, circus, dance, comedy, visual arts and more. Secure your tickets today from the DunedinArtsFestival.co.nz and the Regent Theatre Box Office. The 2022 ODT Dunedin Arts Festival, October 12th to the 24th. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.